What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Full Kit Banter. Apologies, I wasn't around last week, but I'm back to lead us into yet another episode of the podcast. I'm joined by Nate and Lionel. Lionel, of course, uh, will be talking to him a bit more about the big thing that happened this weekend, which is Man City retaining their title three times in a row. That's been the chant coming from the Etihad. Um, Lionel, I'm sure <coughs> it's not been a surprise. It's been like kind of the worst kept secret that Man City were going to be champions, but seeing it finally like get over the line, right? How, I guess, content were you based on how the season unfolded? You know, the, the big narrative was that City were playing catch up most of the season. Um, so overall, how delighted are you that you guys not only managed to get it over the line, but managed to get it over the line so convincingly at the end? I, I think um, for those of you that have been, they've been following us uh, pretty closely, I think you should know that um, I personally felt that it was Arsenal's title to lose. I've, I think I've said it before and said it again that Arsenal have had a tremendous season. I think even if they finish uh, second, right, I, I still feel that they have definitely went above and beyond what most of us, if not all of us, had expected of them. Because I think most of... Uh, I think even Arsenal fans as well uh, were kind of putting Arsenal in the position that they should contend for the Champions League, but they absolutely smashed it. La. But I, I I feel that, you know, everything just went south after that um, Liverpool game. You know, after that, it was that crucial moment where Trent and I think it was Xhaka had that like had that like head to head and then I think it start it, it it went through like a domino effect leading to this very moment. Uh. But I still feel that I think like I said previous previous episodes ago, right? Arsenal are still kind of an inexperienced team in which this season was a, a great way for them to gain experience so that they can come back stronger next season. And I have to also have to say that they, they were unfortunate to be riddled with a couple of injuries, especially in their crucial positions. Like, losing Saliba was quite quite a huge blow for them, as you can see in terms of their dis- defensive stats post-World Cup. So, I mean, that aside, City picked at the right time. Didn't start off that well, but we, are, we have reached form at the right time where it's needed. And then, you know, especially during the Champions League, man, like, I did watch the Real Madrid City game as well. City absolutely blew it off the park. Madrid, I think I texted you guys like at the end of the game. Madrid did not even get a sniff. So that 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 shows like how how much of a menacing team City have have grown to be. And yeah, I mean most people are calling City as favorites to not just win the Champions League but to do the treble. Honestly, I have my fingers crossed. I'm not not gonna jinx it, but um, I. Yeah, but but I I just I just feel that you know, if across like the 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 dec- the past decade or so of city of city teams right that I've seen come and go, I think this is the team that has the best chance of finally getting that sweet Champions League trophy, man. Yeah, <clears throat> let's call a spade a spade. You know, like I I know that you you you'll be foolish to count Inter out, but I think it's fair to say that this Champions League final is probably one of the more lopsided ones we've seen in, in recent memory. Like, uh, Not even going by like odds or whatever, but Inter like struggling in Serie A, their run to the final has been kind of 
you know, fine if unspectacular, whereas City have just blown everyone away. And we're talking about, on paper, Bayern Munich and Real Madrid, two of the best teams in the world, dismantled Liverpool, which, you know, I know they've not been great this year, but not many teams... Oh, you know, that was... Um, who Leipzig, dismantled Leipzig, um, who themselves are doing well in Bundesliga, but City just made it look easy. So uh, I think a lot to look ahead to for you guys. It's also a, a redemption of sorts after the disappointment against Chelsea a couple of seasons ago. So a lot to look ahead to, but one person who will be looking to sort of dampen this sense of invincibility with City have now. Treble chasers, but Nate and Man United will have something to say about that. You guys go head-to-head in, in I believe, two weeks in the FA Cup final. How excited are you ahead of that clash, Nate? Mind you, you still have business to do in the league, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it should have been uh, all easy sailing by now. We should have already secured that Champions League spot if it wasn't for a certain... Bobby We're just Firmino. a rash that won't <laughs> go away. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, so happy for him. I think that probably is the yeah. best way to sign off. Um, like your your time, uh, at Liverpool with a goal in the dying minutes, and I think you could see like just I uh, talking about uh, Roberto Firmino, all the emotion, and um, yeah, it's just he's been such a great character to watch, even um, as a United supporter to see him and and um playing with with Salah and Mane and the three of them. I think it's it's just a, a very kind of heartwarming, I would even say. that That's what it felt like. Um, I was watching that match right after I had switched over. I think for some reason that match was a little delayed. So um, after switching over from the United match, um, which we thankfully got over the line with, and we've been, we've been seeing to, to be getting a lot of these like 1-0, um, barely. Oh, I mean, we got 2-0 recently also, but... We're just barely hanging on to get these games over the line. So, yeah, I mean, moving into to the FA Cup final, I, I would say we're not actually in the best sort of form. But, you know, when it's a, when it's a derby and it's a final, like, form goes out, to, out, out the window. It's just going to be all out, like, uh, a brawl even. I'm hoping that the game is is kind of cagey, a bit feisty, um, that we don't kind of sit back and just play counter-attack but that we actually go at, at City and and just have a good match I think it's it's the one match that now all all United supporters are looking forward to um, because no way we want to see City get the treble um, that would be a disaster so yeah I mean it's it's super exciting do I think we can do it yes I think of course yeah I think it's definitely something that like looking at um at the past, right, we've had weaker teams, weaker United teams taking on what I felt were strongest, not not stronger City teams, but we've always been, in recent times, the underdog team. Um, we've had our fair share of like um, uh, dismantling as well, <laughs> but at the hand of at the hands of City. But I think there were times that we also pulled a rabbit out of the hat, and we had some good surprise results. So hoping for another one uh, in the FA Cup final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on United, right, we'll talk a little bit about the race for, like, that top four. If you can even call it a race, it's pretty much just a mathematical, like, <laughs> probability at this point. But we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that in a bit. I just wanted to bring this back to the other side of that title race, right? We talk, we've lauded Man City a lot. And for big parts of this season, it looked like 
it wasn't the well-oiled Man City that we saw maybe last season or even the year before. And it was Arsenal who were getting all, you know, the limelight and, and rightfully so, right? They were playing some fantastic football. Uh, they were taking the league by storm. Surprised a lot of people. But it's the manner in which the season just kind of ended, right? Like conceding a defeat to Nottingham Forest who, congrats to them, they secured their own Premier League safety. But in doing that, right, Arsenal really risk leaving a bad taste at the end of the season. And it's 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 a shame because of how well they've played. But it, as I wanted to ask BK this if he was around, but it almost becomes patronizing, right? Did yeah. you all get that sense? I think it's quite tough, especially when you start seeing the memes about people saying stuff like, "Oh, Arsenal are gonna end the season with the same number of like trophies as Chelsea." You know, it's like, yeah, that's the reality. <laughs> but I mean. You have to kind of look at the season in context. Yeah, do you, do you think there's like an obsession? I know like we are in it to win it, right? We want to see our teams live silverware, but is it a bit too short-sighted to just look at everything in terms of trophies? Like, can we not... I mean, at the end of the day... Take things for what they are? Like, No, it's true. Yes, yeah. I think... I think um, if anything, this has really shown the whole... I mean, Arteta is the trust the process manager. And the reality is, the process looks really good. I, I must say, you, we've seen real progress with this Arsenal team. Um, it's taken a while. I think he's been at the in the hot seat for like, what's it, like four seasons now? Three seasons? I, I, I think see. he's close in between three and four. Yeah. Because he started, he started mid-season, if I remember, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who, like, back when we all, like, Chelsea and United had the, their old boys taking charge, right? Um, he was the one that kind of outlasted them and has proven to actually um, really turn this team around. I think the Arsenal team that he's building is right now is the one that he's it's it's really in the Arteta image. It, they're playing the kind of football that he wants them to play. It's not really like when he first took over and he had to kind of make do with the players that he has, which is what kind of I think maybe managers like Eric Ten Hag's doing right now with United, just trying to create a makeshift team, um trying to play half like the style that he wants and also trying to fit with the style the players already have. And then um but with with Arsenal we are seeing Almost, almost the final form, just missing maybe a couple more players to turn them into a, a proper title-challenging team. But I would say that this season, they really gave it the, the best shot and they just came up a little bit short. Um, It could be fatigue. It could be mm. just, like we, we've mentioned a nerves, couple times, right? nerves. Yeah, yeah, the mental um fortitude of this team. Um, But, you know, I think they would definitely take this as a very good learning um, point and I can see them going again next season, no problem. Because as long as they get their confidence back, they they know how to play. So not too worried about that. I think Arsenal fans should be looking forward to next season. But yeah, the comparisons to about how they're gonna end this season, I think it's it's quite yeah, you're right. It kinda they kinda end the season a little bit on a on a bad bad note, I would say. It just I think it's just the manner of how the last few games have, have mm-hmm. gone for them. It feels like they just kinda slumped and because you have to take up. the good with the bad right if you want to praise them for improving and showing the bite which yeah. I, I definitely think they should be praised but at the same time you also have to be critical when you know they they kind of let it run away from them a little bit at the end right. um 
Lionel, do you share the same sentiments at Nate, as Nate that Arsenal will be in contention with, we presume, City once again next season? Or do you think they'll find it more challenging trying to follow up this first act? You, you know, the funny thing is that, okay, I think first of all, heads off to Arsenal for a great season they've had. I mean, as much as I've been sending all the memes, right? But <laughs> I, I, I think Arsenal really outdid themselves this, this time around because I think none of us expected them to uh, go into the top four or even contend for the title. But I, I, I kind of have a little bit of reservation when it comes to were they be up and about again next season. Like, I personally feel that, as in, haters gonna hate lah, but I, I personally feel that Arsenal will not be as successful as they are next season, as they are compared to this season. Because, I think, looking at the other teams, right, like Newcastle, who finally, after, I'm not sure how many years, finally back into Champions League football. Manchester United, who, I mean, even though they don't have, like, the best, their, their best 11 yet, but I think getting the right players, they would definitely be a team that would be con- possibly contending for the, the title. And then not forgetting you have teams like Liverpool and like potentially, I mean, potentially Chelsea who who may need a bit of time, but they will be contending as well. And then we have like wildcard teams like Brighton, right? Who have qualified for Europe f- after such a long time. I personally feel that Arsenal may sh- struggle next season. I don't think it will be as smooth sailing for them this season because um, the, the league is just so competitive. And I mean, if, if Arsenal... But I feel that, you know, with the hurt that Arsenal is going through now, especially with not just the players in terms of the manner that they lost the lead because they, they were at one point, I think it was eight points clear. But I think, you know, you, you, you eventually become... You eventually start to gain experience and and know how to work yourself around getting towards a title challenge and eventually a title with this kind of experience so you know this could be like uh, i mean although it's it's heartbreaking but it could be a good uh a learning experience for the the team mm-hmm. but i think moving forward if they really want to contend right they need to get the right players especially um players who have a little bit more experience like you know how um Manchester United got Casimiro, someone of that stature who is, who can bring a little bit more possessed to the team, like a little bit more uh, than just like, than just being able to lead with seniority, like like Xhaka, you know. Do you, do you think that Arsenal then will have to tweak their transfer policy because we've seen like the last couple seasons, Casimiro almost feels like exactly the kind of player that would not fall in that bracket you know he's some i mean he's he's getting on in years he's still at the elite level but arsenal look like they are only recruiting for the long term apart from Jorginho, who you know who was brought in on like a small um i think it was like 10 million or something compared to casemiro's like 50 or 60 so um do you think that they need to change their the way they, they look at the transfer market? I think personally, given their philosophy of like uh, cultivating young talent and young players, I, I feel no, but maybe just one pivotal player in that particular midfield position. Because I think what kind of caused them the league was not having that that 
that like a solid, robust midfielder who can dictate the game for them. Because if you notice, like, I, I believe it was in a recent Nottingham Forest game as well. It was because of their weakened midfield. That's why they kind of lost the battle. So maybe just one particular linchpin in the midfield. And then I think the rest could be... I think they have been pretty tactical with their buys as well. Trossard has been really good. Kiwio, I heard he's, he's a product for the future. And then um, I think Gabriel Jesus, despite you know having his injuries, he's a proven uh, Premier League uh, champion as well. So I feel that you know the, the team they have now, it's, I'll say ready-made, but I feel that other teams would just slightly edge them out again next season. But I think if they're able to keep the tempo as they have you know, for the past, what, 93% of, of games this season, uh, I think they could contend. But I, I personally, in my own opinion, right, I think they will be struggling to get that Champions League spot. Lah. I agree I mean, with him. I think, yeah. like, I think Arsenal... Uh, they are in need of a bit of a marquee signing in the middle of the pitch. I feel like they are. This would be a great time for them to kick on. Um, yeah, they've had a stellar season, but like to really go and establish yourself and create something of a continuous um challenge, right? You kind of need to um starting. You must like attract that kind of caliber of player, and I think it kind of starts with going for someone with experience as well. I think I'm always reminded about teams in the past, like how United's um, class of 92, which were all youngsters, paired against all, to paired with um, rather players like Roy Keane, you know? They're kind of like leadership, strong, more experienced. Yeah, maybe even old, just to give them some sort of guidance. I think they tried to do that a little bit this season with bringing in um, the, the City boys, right? You have... Um, the experience of Jesus, you also have um, uh, Zinchenko, yeah, correct, to kind of um, provide that kind of, and, and both of them, I think you, we've seen a lot of clips of them trying to rah-rah the, their team and, and really kind of give them the motivation, and it has been, I think, quite useful um, throughout most of the season, so I think they really could use someone in that midfield to really kind of, I think Jaco has been good. I think even though he's moving on, I think he... Um, really kind of turned his own image around and I think that has been a, a pretty solid um, thing on his part but to really kind of push on and to establish Arsenal once again as this dominant force both in Europe and in the English Premier League I think we, they're gonna need to start to bring in a, a certain caliber of players to mix in with, with the youngsters um, but who that could be now is, is quite mm, I think you have I to I keep I'm, hearing like Rice is the number one target but Mm, it's a bit different from the mold you guys are talking about, but I think Rice would still be an upgrade on what they currently have, but um, I'm sure they have plenty of transfer plans. It's just how quickly and efficiently they can execute them. Uh, before we like move on from Arsenal, right? I want to just piggyback off both of what you all said. I think Lionel mentioned like it's so difficult now to get into the top four. And I would agree, like, apart from Man City, right, you look at the rest of the chasing pack, it seems like all of them are interchangeable right now. It's like, we laugh at Chelsea being, like, 12th or 13th now, right? It would not be beyond the realms of possibility that Chelsea get in the top four next season, depending on how their summer goes. Like, I don't think that's such a radical thing to say. 
uh, Newcastle, who we'll be talking about real shortly, um, did break into that top four this season. Next year, you would expect them to kick on with, you know, the backing they have. But even then, still a work in progress, right? Liverpool, a lot of question marks. Man United also, it's... With United, the last four or five years, they've always never really, like, solidified their spot in that top four. They've always maybe had, like... Yeah, we had a lot of times in the Europa League. Yeah, one or two years in, and then suddenly you're out, spend more money, and then you're back in. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a weird one. Spurs as well, they'll pop up occasionally, and the rest of the time, they'll be, like, sacking managers, right? So, it just feels very interchangeable right now. And I think if Arsenal can figure out a way to consistently be in that conversation of that top four, I think they would have... That is the immediate goal. I think consistency for Arsenal over a five to ten year period would be the goal rather than like just... Yes, you can, people might say, yes, I would trade one title for ten years of challenging, right? But realistically, they were never going to win it this year. Really, and I think I thought they actually had a really solid chance. Not that I, I mean, at I the started start, to believe the hype. I would at, say for sure at the start, and I think it's also had to do with City not going super Saiyan yet. It's almost like once the the FA charges came in, they they were just they just knuckled down and said, "Screw this, we're gonna win every single game." But that's so why we we kind of mentioned that it really was kind of Arsenal bottling it because even if City went super Saiyan, right? If Arsenal just kind of held their their nerve, they would have walked away with the title, right? There was enough gap to kind of weather a little bit of a of a storm, but they kind of just imploded at the end, which is which is unfortunate, but it's just what happened, which is I don't want to use the term bottling, but it kind of feels like it, which is which is the harshness and the reality of the situation. Because they Perhaps. really had such a great season that I actually felt that they would have they were gonna win it. It seemed like all the stars had aligned with the ex-City players as well, with the ex-Pep, like this ex-student of Pep as well, but um, City are uh, Don't forget they even professional made party poopers. <laughs> they made some good signings as well to reinforce their, their midfield. They they brought in Jorginho, they brought in um, Trossard as well. Sure. All look like really promising signings. Which is, which is why I'm saying like, yes, at the end of the day, the season will be remembered for the hiccup um, at the end. And it's hard to tell fans to think otherwise, right? It, it, it is what it is. But I guess my point is that Arsenal, when you just look back at where they were a year or two ago, they were like sort of floating in, in obscurity, right? Like they were disgruntled fans, you know, people weren't showing up to games anymore. The games weren't exciting. The football was terrible. But you see the potential, right? So I think the the worry for me, if, if I'm an Arsenal fan, is that they focus too much on continuing where they or like continuing the story from this season. You know, it's like they go into the new season thinking, "Oh my God, like we were we were so close, like we're gonna go crazy to win this league again." But as we saw at Liverpool this year, right? the whole quadruple thing, they seem like they never reset after that. They were like fixated on that. They were fixated on the disappointment and the disappointment 
continued. They never gave themselves time to like, okay, like it's done. Like let's restart, fresh start. So I think the the trick for Arteta here is to tell his players like, you know, didn't go our way, but we have to look at this new season as completely new. We can't just try to replicate everything we did last season at the start. Because yeah. I think, especially the fans, if that's the mindset the fans go into the season with, I think they're setting themselves up for a lot of disappointment. Because they're not, chances are they're not going to win like, what was it, nine out of their first 10 games, which is what I think they did this season. So, yeah, all I'm saying is got to maybe ease into the new season and, and try to find your feet uh, from there. I think, um, yeah, just one po- last point yeah. on that. I think if they manage to kind of um, enjoy their football again, the Arsenal that plays without pressure is a dangerous Arsenal. Mm. I think that's that's the thing. It's if about they rebuilding the culture also. They are, definitely. Yeah. They just need to go into each match, enjoying their game, and they play really well when they do that. It's it's when mm. the pressure is on them that they tend to crumble a little. So I think that's yeah, something that's they're going to have to fight through. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. It's going to be like a test of character, right? Will they rise to the occasion or will it become like a a crutch almost? Like this Arsenal, like they'll be known for not being able to get it over the line, which, you know, once they get over that hurdle, I think they'll be able to. It's like um, getting over a psychological block, right? Yeah. Uh, Lionel, do you have anything else to add? If not, I'll, I'll move on to Newcastle, I guess. Yeah, I think just one more thing, right? Yeah. Like, like pers- okay, so personally, the, the reason why I say that, uh, in my opinion, because I think some people will be mad for me and me <laughs> for saying this, in my personal opinion, I, I still feel that, you know, this season was just like, potent- could potentially be a one-off thing. I said, maybe in the future, I'm sure Arsenal will be contending. Like, like you said, maybe a, a long-term 5-10 to ten year plan. As long as Arsenal keep doing what they're doing, start start to kind of like make their, their global presence known again as a club to attract like bigger players, right? I'm sure they will be contending for the Premier League. But I would say that, I, I feel that personally the reason why I think Arsenal will, will struggle next season, right? I think it's a mixture of two things. Firstly, it's from the managerial point of view, right? Which I think it's one of the uh, biggest issue, right? It's, I would say, Ateta's uh, predictability. La. Like, whenever he starts a game, it always seems to be the same style of playing. And like, I mean, understandably, he is like, a disciple of Pep Guardiola who always likes to play in a certain fashion and attacking in attacking sense irregardless of whether they're winning or losing. I think that predictability eventually led to was one of the reasons for their downfall because Premier League teams started to realise how Arsenal were playing their game and how to beat them in the game. So that's why when coupled with the second factor which was Arsenal's players starting to get more nervy and anxious I think this concoction was the led to the the reason why Arsenal failed in terms of maintaining that lead because you know when when we watch uh, uh Arsenal games right there were moments of brilliance from the Arsenal team like especially two new down at Bournemouth clawing back at like the 93rd minute to score that winner I think it kind of showed it kind of like made us uh think that you know it is Arsenal's title to lose just because of their mentality at that they point of like time. They seem like they had that like last gasp winner. Yeah, they, had their, yeah. they had like that winning formula which yeah. I, I, I did see City have like 
seasons after seasons. Uh. So I think, mm-hmm. I think w- another thing is that, like wh- wh- when I said about Ateta's predictability, I think it's not just about predictability. It's also his like stubbornness. Like when he, he knows that certain players, although they are in, on paper the better players, but you know when certain players are having their off day, you just got to take them off and put other players who are more hungry like your your Reese Nelsons, your Enketias. Because these players, <coughs> excuse me, because these players <laughs> are the ones that, you know, like Nelson had so many clutch moments for the club. You know, when he came on against um, Man City, right, you could tell that suddenly there was like a breath of Did energy he back into the, the team. assist to Holding? Yeah, exactly. So, to yeah. me, I, I feel that it's, apart from predictability, it's kind of like ast- uh, Arteta's like obstinance and stubbornness to, to not make these crucial changes that could actually change the complexion of the game. So, you know, if Arteta continues like maybe being like that, not giving his other players a chance, I feel that that could kind of like shoot him in the foot as well. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. And... Uh, Hopefully, for their sake, they send the fans home happy in their final game at home against Wolves. Wolves, pretty much nothing to play for. So, they'll hopefully want to at least get the W there and, and start fr- start afresh next season. Um, moving on from that, right? More big news apart from City winning the title. Newcastle officially securing their spot in next season's Champions League. Wish Cash was here to celebrate with him. Uh, but I'm sure he was delighted at the... The nil-nil against Leicester, not the most flattering way to do it, but they got the job done. And I think over the balance of the entire season, they are well worth that top four position. Um, I thought they've played some great football. Uh, They had some tough patches, I believe, especially in the middle of the season. You know, they were really struggling for wins. Uh, Became draw draw specialists, draw merchants, if you want to call them, uh, for, for a bit. But I think they really, much like City and to an extent Liverpool, they were perhaps the most informed, one of the most informed sides at the end of the season. So I think that's ultimately ultimately what um, secured them uh, that, that Champions League spot. But my question to both of you, right, is should we be worried that this is essentially the start of like the Saudi era at Newcastle? Because a lot of this team is still remnants of old managers with now playing in Europe's top table, right? They're only going to be kicking on and, and going from strength to strength, aren't they? Yeah, I think this Newcastle team is... I think it's nice that their team is playing with a very kind of refreshing kind of feel. Um, I think previously on some apps we were talking about um, how... Uh, I think I was talking to Sash about how like um, when Leeds first came up and um, we saw Bielsa playing a kind of very unorthodox style of football. I feel like Newcastle is a bit like that this season. They are very kind of attacking, uh, I feel, in a way that I I think mostly it has to be just the shockingness of how different they look like this season than not, than under the previous management. So when you look at um them attacking, you, you, you see them flooding forward. You see a lot of players who weren't very attacking um suddenly become very good at it like uh, Joe Linton um we saw this was the the season of um Almiron mania and <laughs> and so it was really nice it was as a very different Newcastle um I think seeing them would, did I think that they were going to get into um the champ, uh, Champions League places 
I wasn't sure, and I, I, I even think that I thought it was quite shocking that they would make it here, but I mean, again, you, you watch the season, you see in context, and they, they were a team that looked quite, um, quite assured. I think that's the term, like, they were very confident even when they were going through a rough patch. Um, I think the only thing that they really kind of lack is squad depth, um, that team. Oh, don't is, you is... worry about squad that, my friend. They're going to be fixing that next season. Wait, that's why I should be worried instead of <laughs> <laughs> Right now, it's been the only thing that... Uh, I mean, I was hoping that we would finish, we meaning United would finish above... Um, You still might. Oh, uh, uh, it's tough, beat, it's if tough. If you beat Chelsea, if you beat Chelsea, you'll be two points above them, I think. Who Who do Newcastle got? They've got on the final day. They have Chelsea as well. They yeah. have Chelsea. You guys both played Chelsea. I mean, then, uh, like you just said earlier, Chelsea's a gimme team right now. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Sash. Um, but if like if if uh yeah, if we both win, I think Newcastle will finish on top of us, which I think Cash will be delighted about. Um, but yeah, I think Newcastle. Good, man. You you beat them in the Carabao Cup final. Yeah, I mean, you gotta give some, gotta Small take wins, some. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> For us, I think, yeah, again, Newcastle, um, with the investment uh, that they could potentially unlock, um, I think they just have to be really smart in their signings, make some really good shrewd ones, um, beef the team up. I think that's important. They they can afford to probably go for some superstars, but I think it would be nice if that, does, that doesn't seem like the way to go right exactly. now. Exactly. It? And it doesn't yeah. look like their style or Eddie Howe's style yeah, as well. Yeah. So it's just properly, like, getting uh, another player so that when they do go a bit lean like especially like okay so they've they've been quite good in in offense having um isaac cover for wilson when he's out um but i think they've looked i don't know who they're gonna bring in when bruno gumerich gets injured for example then they look a little thin you know and they lose that creative spark so it's really just getting enough adequate cover um, to ensure that they don't lose that creative um, playmaker because they have they have good attackers all around. At least from what we've seen, Eddie Howe has managed to turn a quite mm, defensive and not very threatening Newcastle into a pretty offensive one. I was looking at the goal differences between United and Newcastle and it's it's quite large. I think almost like 20 goals. Um, and, and everyone thinks that United have all the attackers. So it's, it's just incredible to see that, uh, the stats. So... Yeah, I'm not too worried about them uh, in terms of... I mean, I'm worried, <laughs> but I, I'm not too worried that they would kick on as well. Um, yeah, it's nice to see uh, another team kind of uh, fighting for positions, but it's also been contrasted with the fall of Chelsea, who usually gets into Champions League places, and, um, and Spurs as well, who this season have had a bit of a weird one. Um, so... Yeah, well, all that kind of coincided uh, to to give them a, a good run. So, yeah, I think they would be uh, quite... Uh, but, okay, we have to see how they, they, they deal, right? Playing in another competition as well. Sure, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's been 20 years, man. 20? Yeah, like, goddamn. I think when I first started watching football, Newcastle were in the, Euro- the UEFA Cup at the time and the Champions League. So, it's going to be really bizarre seeing them back but also I mean who could have predicted it pre um, takeover right it's just crazy how things have changed in like two years but fair play to them they've been a fan base that has really suffered um, the past decade and a half so 
you could just see the elation at full time against Leicester. Uh, and I think, yes, they suffered disappointment of not winning their first domestic trophy. But I think this means so much to that fan base. And, and I'm sure Cash, um, who I think is listening in as well, um, will be pinching himself and will be waking up at every ungodly hour to watch the entirety of the group stage and beyond potentially. So uh, congrats to them again. You mentioned uh, that though, like Newcastle against Barcelona. I mean, you love to see it. That would be crazy. I mean, oh yeah. I, I, I don't know how they're going to be seeded. So there is a high chance that they will have a tough group. But you also could look at it at the other end of like the spectrum where every top seed and second seeded side won't want to see Newcastle. You get mm. what I mean? Like whichever group Newcastle end up in might very well be a group of death. So. Um, they'll have to work for it, but I think they'll be up for the fight, right? Much like how Leicester was when they made their debut in the Champions League. It's like a nothing-to-lose situation. You just go in as dark horses. Yeah, plus, plus, you know, we've seen them do what they've done to some top teams, so I don't think they'll really fear anyone in that competition, especially with the reinforcements they're going to make. Um, but I wanted to, like... So, I mean, because of the comparisons with, with Man City, maybe they're a bit obvious but i have to ask anyway right i know it took city a while to really get the project up and running right lionel do you think newcastle maybe because of city success have a fast track to that sort of run that city are going on or do you think that they still will have to make mistakes of their own much like how city did at the start i i think personally you know like how i was going about saying that Arsenal won't be as successful as they are next season as compared to this season. I, I personally think that Newcastle will be He's more already dead, man. No, no, no. No, no, no. no, no. I, 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 feel that, I feel that Newcastle will be more successful than Arsenal next season in the Champions League. Ah. Like, that, that is my take. Yeah, yeah. No, no, be, no because, hear me out, hear me out. Because, mm-hmm. because, right, personally, I mean, apart from saying that, you know, how unpredictable Arsenal's manager is and, you know, the lack of experience Arsenal's current squad has, I feel that Newcastle, I think whatever Eddie Howe is doing, he, he, like you say, he's very strategic in terms of who he buys. He, don't, he doesn't just buy like a mega global star. He goes for someone that fits his, what he's looking for very well in terms of the, the way they, Newcastle plays. Yep. And, and, and I agree with whatever you guys say. Like, as long as maybe Newcastle is able to get a little bit more backing in terms of certain positions and maybe strengthen the midfield, I believe that they would be able to, you know, progress further than what we think they could do in the Champions League. Um, I'd like them to just get out of the group stage. That would be there'll great. be there'll be uh, there'll be, be a dope. partisan atmosphere, right? Like no club will want to go to St James's for their away fixture. It's like they they're just gonna be. In many ways, they're not there to take part. Like they obviously would like to make it to the knockout rounds, but. I think the consensus will be like, dude, we haven't we haven't heard this anthem in like two decades. Let's try to like you know, pump the lads up. Let's just try to win all our home games and see where we end up at the end of the group stage. And I think that's what makes them so dangerous. Yeah, but, but which is I, why I, I don't think, think your yeah. Arsenal take is so hot because I think the Emirates has been equally starved, right? Maybe not as long as Newcastle, but it's been what five or seven years but, but since I, Arsenal I, have been. I feel that. Um, you know, Newcastle and Arsenal face a similar issue where, yeah. you know, if they do not go into the transfer, the next transfer window, 
um, getting the right players or whether it is bringing the right players up from the youth squad because of the number of... the Now that these two teams are playing in multiple cups and multiple uh, competitions, right? If they don't have that well-balanced squad, I think it could actually be a double-edged sword against them. Like, if Newcastle or Arsenal were to focus, like, and play their best eleven in, say, the Champions League, they would actually... They may actually suffer in the Premier League and other domestic cups as well. So... It, it could kind of end up like, you know, Arsenal season where because their squad was only very strong on the first 11, they gave up every other co- tournament and eventually they also still lost the Premier League. So yeah. I think it's got to be a very, they have to get a really well-balanced team next season if they want to, you know, Hopefully at least stay lift silverware. free as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good point. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, for Newcastle, happy days. Um, I'm sure we'll have a lot more transfer news um, as the window opens and you know we see the state of play around the leagues uh, but I wanted to touch on their opponents yesterday right Leicester a team that has been pretty much in the trenches all season much criticised especially by us on the podcast you know uh, not that any of us really detest Leicester but it's been it's been tough to watch um, especially you know seeing their rise mm, since maybe the last eight years, like we've really seen them go from strength to strength from being a newly promoted side to shocking everyone by winning the league to being consistent challengers for, ironically, the Champions League spots, right? Where Newcastle are, where Leicester wanted to be when Brendan Rodgers took over and they were so close on two occasions. Uh, This time, however, it's a completely different story and it's not looking good, guys. You know, uh, I think... I said it in jest around like episode 10 that I, I, I actually, I, I don't know if you guys remember this. I asked you guys, could Leicester go down? And I half didn't believe it. Like I thought I was, just, you know, like I was just stirring the pot, right? But when you look at the form then and the form now, it's quite staggering actually to see how far they've, they've fallen. And I wanted to get your guys' take about what, it would be like to actually see this site that captured the imagination just like a little under a decade ago actually go down. I think the reality is that the team that look like they're going to go down are not the same team as the one that won, I would say. There, there's only maybe one, I think, or two. Vardy and Albrighton are probably the last two from that team that won. And... And I think the reality is you just have to look at the decisions that has been made at the club. I mean, Brendan Rodgers was not a bad one since Ranieri left. I think that he gave Leicester quite a lift. But ever since he's he's taken over, you, you we haven't seen any real good investments in the club. Yeah, they've kind of bought like an occasional Fofana, for example. But like, I don't really see them kind of investing in um like the team properly like uh, what we've been discussing about what Newcastle has to do to kind of um kick on from where they are right now for Leicester it was kind of the opposite I feel like they they didn't really like sell many players to rival clubs but their teams also weren't really I mean besides the obvious one being Kante um and Mares. Okay, now now you see the more that I say it, it actually kind of <laughs> <laughs> reveals why they've been on a downhill spiral. But surely with a team with Barnes, Vardy, Madison, Tielemans, 
uh, Ricardo Pereira, you know, like I could probably name like Soyonchu to an extent, right? Maguire. I mean, should okay. Not, should <laughs> not be, you know, you should not be in the position they are like. And one can only hazard to, to, to wonder what has gone wrong because you look at a club like Leeds and Everton, right? I think who are the other two sides that, that are in contention to go down. Everton is very clearly a side that has been mismanaged for years. You look at the players they, they have on their books now, how much they've spent on them, uh, players they've let go and not replaced. Leeds, you know, they've just come back to the Premier League, have gambled on a few players. Some have worked out, some haven't. You look at Bamford, you know, one good season and he's not kind of continued that form. But Leicester, you would think they would have enough quality. But I think this is one of the perfect examples of never being too good to go down, right? Not that they are done yet, but I can't see them winning their last game, which is what they need to stay up. Do y'all... Are y'all sort of more in the camp that they have one more surprise to 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 sort of pull out of the of the of the hat i don't think so i think the the results and their you again you have to just look at how they've been playing they don't look like a team with a lot of fire or a lot of belief um i would say on paper their team is much much stronger than a team like forest but the results have not shown that and that's all that matters at the end of the day so I feel like their team really have almost resigned to the fact that they feel like they're gonna go down and I think a lot of players are thinking of leaving already so that's the danger right as well it's almost like yeah the the ship is sinking but half the the crew knows that it won't affect them I think it's partly the the issue I don't want to say that players are are trying to get out this way but imagine you stay in you manage to keep your team up you kind of have to stay with them for one more season unless someone buys you out but the reality is if you go down that gives you a lot more reason to leave and so I feel like that could be the case with Leicester they're just a bit too good to go down so if they go down I think a lot of their players will leave and I I, I won't say the same about Leeds I feel if Leeds go down most of that team stick together except maybe like a a couple of them but I think most of them will go down and then they'll try to fight to come back up together but I don't think that would be the case with Leicester I, I can see Tielemans, um, Madison Daka all these players um, um, probably heading out so yeah I think that could be the case and that's why I feel like mm, they might go down Lionel do you of the three sides I just mentioned right uh, Everton, Leicester and Leeds which do you think is the most likely to to come straight back up should they go down ooh that's a well that's a good question man i i think i think Nate has a very good point like if Leicester were to go down i think many of many of the many of the the players would like would, would just leap off leap off and then hop on board another ship because they Leicester do have quality players but it just maybe isn't the right season for them i think in the Leicester camp you could tell that uh, morale is low. Uh, I think there's no spark and no drive uh, to contend for anything. I think them sticking with um, Rogers for such a long time was was not uh, a smart move because it kind of led them to this very difficult position at this point of time. But I think if, if, if a team among these three were to go down and will come back up, I think it would be... 
Well, that's a tough one. But I, I think it would be Everton because I, I, I feel like... Ev- okay, I mean, it's not really a nice way to put it, but the Everton players, quality-wise compared to Leicester, are not as good. But I would say that maybe they do have promising players uh, in the team. You know, Everton beat Brighton 5-1. I mean, that shows that they do have certain quality in their camp, but it is not as hot as the Leicester commodity that they have. La. So I think for those reasons, maybe Ev- the Everton team, not many people will leave. So it could, if, if da- I think it's Daesh now in, in, the, in the team, right? If Daesh is able to sell the project that they want to come back up and be a, a staple team back in the Premier League again, I think he could be able to lead them uh to promote but I think for Leicester it will be very difficult because I think Leicester will definitely lose many of their their key assets and they could struggle in the championship yeah I think with Leicester it feels almost like they don't have the right personnel at the moment to play in that league because we all know how different the championship is from the Premier League right it's like very it's a lot more rough and tumble, a lot more games to play. Um, different variety of teams as well. Uh, so it's going to be tough, man. All three of them play at home on the final day. But I could honestly see all three of them not winning. So we just might remain with the status quo. Uh, it's tough, man. I think all three should have done way better this year. And honestly, it's it's a it might be a hammer blow for for the two that go down. They, we might not see the two teams that get relegated back in the Premier League for a while, precisely because of all the reasons y'all gave. I guess the blueprint will be to follow what Burnley did this year, but even then, um, maybe it was the perfect storm with company. But um, I don't know. I might be. Despite, you know, Liverpool still technically... Actually, we might, we might not even be in the top four race by Friday if United draw with Chelsea. So if that's the case, if if uh, you guys really do get the point or get the win against Chelsea, I will be firmly paying attention on uh, that relegation dogfight. But before we, like, get into boss and fraud watch, right, I just wanted to touch a bit about Liverpool and Firmino, right, which, which we talked a little bit about at the start of the episode the Villa game I don't know uh, if both of y'all caught glimpses of it I think Nate you said you saw the ending of it right after Man United Bournemouth yeah just the end I guess that game kind of summed up our season it's a bit anticlimactic you know we go on the seven game run to make what should have never been a race for top four It, it became like a bit of a Talking point, right? I guess we we did our job until we didn't against Villa. But in hindsight, we kept it, you know, we kept things way too late. And winning nine in a row is always going to be difficult. You know, very few select teams get to do that. uh, Much like how City have steamrolled the title at the end. But especially for Lionel, right? Having seen Liverpool as, as sort of a nemesis for that championship for the last three years or so, do you think it's time for Liverpool fans to maybe reassess where they are? Maybe like they should next season focus more on 
consolidate, consolidating that top four position or should Liverpool fans and Liverpool go right for the juggler again? It's like, we it's almost take this season as a blip rather than as what could be the new normal. It goes for both of you as well. I'm interested to hear from a man like Nate and the United fans' perspective as well. As in, as in, for me, I I have seen, um, Liverpool contend with City for the title. I have seen what Liverpool can do. They can they can go on unbeaten runs as well. Score many goals. I think that season where Mo Salah was on a hot was I think he was the the golden boot right with like thirty two goals, breaking the record as well. I I, I feel uh, until that until the robot shattered it. Yeah, I I feel like I feel like Liverpool should still be trying. To, to contend for that title. I, I feel that, you know, they, they do have the... I mean, apart from Firmino leaving, uh, they do have many new uh, replacements like like Gakpo in it. I think he plays as like a like a left wing. It's a right? bit of a clear out as well, not just Firmino, yeah. you know, right? It's like we're, we're, we had like a whole... I've never seen it before, like ever. Like we had a farewell for four players. Like what the hell? Like I don't think I've seen that at Liverpool, let alone any club before. It's like a, it's like it seems like a rebuilding phase for Liverpool. Yeah. But I, I, I feel that you know this is the season where Liverpool, it, it's kind of like the a little buffer season for them to kind of get used to certain, uh, like certain players adapting to the playstyle, and like I think it's unfortunate where you have like certain more key players like your um Luis Diaz who who gets I think he was playing pretty well at the start gets injured. Uh, for a pretty long period of the season, then you have like Van Dijk, who is not really in his best form anymore since his uh, post injury, and I I feel like Liverpool still should be able to contend for like you said the jugular right, but I think Liverpool fans now should try to be a little bit uh more uh I would say realistic because I, I unless Liverpool goes crazy in the market and maybe strengthen with the right players in midfield which I think that's the key position that they need and maybe replace Firmino who I personally feel is very underrated um, I think if Liverpool is able to get to that I think they should be able to contend for the title again but if they don't then I think we could see a repeat of I won't say this season but more of like where they would end up right now at the end of the season yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, Nate, your same question. Like thoughts on that as well. Like, Liverpool. Do you expect Liverpool to maybe have a sort of bounce back season, or do you think now it's like a bit more of a slow rebuild? Yeah, no, I I I find this season very strange for Liverpool. Like, you may think it's not a great season, but you got seven 0 against us, so <laughs> I don't know what to feel. Like, Lol. It, was it was it like we had a terrible season? Also, no. So it's kind of a bit of a weird one. I feel that Liverpool always strike me as a team that uh can can do whatever they want. They can go for the title. They can challenge, and it's it's only them that stop themselves sometimes. Um, it's like weird um decisions by Klopp sometimes or um when he gets a bit into his uh, like whinging mode and then he his team don't needs really to bring the glasses back yeah it's it's strange I really feel like Liverpool have the potential and now that a lot of their their players that they did bring in this season have 
had about a season to settle. I think next season there's a lot of expectation on them yeah, to to I really think, go for I it. The like, expectation is the right word. Yeah. Diaz has I mean he had a, a bad injury but he's he's come back. Nunes has had enough time to settle in as well, I feel. And um Jota should be if he's not already gonna be leading the line, I feel he is probably your most dangerous attacker on that pitch. With all these players coming into I would say I don't know if it's really coming into form, but like with all these players having settled enough, if if they don't perform next season, it would be a bit of a more of a head scratcher for me. You know, I think this season was understandable the way it went for you guys, and it made sense that the second half of the season you all kind of grew into it, and you started to close that gap really quickly. I thought maybe Liverpool would be nearer to where Chelsea was, um, at the way the first half was of the season that was way going. For a while, yeah. It was. I. I. At the. I think <laughs> you just have to go back a couple of episodes to the beginning of the season where I couldn't tell who were who was having a worse season. <laughs> was yeah. it Liverpool or Chelsea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then one couldn't get out of the rut while you guys did, and that was very much because you just have that kind of quality and already a a set game play and and also continuity of the manager is so important. Chelsea kind of chopped and changed their manager so much that the players didn't know. Um what to do, what kind of plan they were going to follow anymore. But I think all the Liverpool players trust in Klopp so much that even when they were going through a tough time, they knew how to get back on track. And so next season, um, I'm expecting Liverpool to get back into the top four. It's just who who loses their spot now. Um, The big question is, will Newcastle be able to manage having to play both Champions League and the league or will that kind of ultimately affect them? And will they fall out of it? And uh, will United still be able to 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 hang on to Champions League? Or will we go back to Europa? I mean, it's happened to us before. So, yeah. It's Always going to keep the, the <laughs> anthem on standby, man. You, you, you know, you know, um, you know Nia, Nia remind you, correct me if I'm wrong. I remember the season where Liverpool were also in this precarious position. And then Allison scored that goal, right? In like the 90-something minute to bring Liverpool to fourth, barely scraping into Champions League. And if memory doesn't fail me, they went on and then to win the Champions League that season. So... No, um, no, we, we didn't. <laughs> we, oh, it wasn't? Uh, the one where we got top four? No, you know the one where Allison scored... Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh-huh. No, no, no. We, we, that one, we just finished top four. Oh, but see, we like we like got top four from like the brink of like obscurity, which is why a lot of fans had confidence this year when we went on the run. But uh, doesn't seem like it's gonna be, and left it a bit too late. Um, and it's funny that we talked about um, who who would drop out next season, right? Because actually, funnily enough, Cash couldn't make the start of the recording, but he's like listening in now, and he sent in a, a little something. Uh, Cash says Poole will be back next season They'll kick Arsenal Out of top 4 So it's uh, someone else Who thinks Arsenal Will struggle next season Klopp has already Found a formula To click what he has That next season And he has a pre-season To get everything to gel It's a good point Uh, Be very afraid So I mean Obviously I I need more um, Information Before I can Start to Understand the project and get confident because right now there's a lot of work to be done. I think McAllister is, looks like he's gonna be the first piece of the rebuild. Um, I 
think Henderson and Fabinho are done as first teamers. You know, I I love them, but I think it's time to move on. Um, and it, it took, I guess it took the Liverpool board and Klopp. It, it showed balls to like effectively lose four players just like that. You know, Ox, Keita, Milner, and Firmino. Like that's a big part of your squad, right? Four players leaving. So uh, I think they're up for the f- the fight to rebuild. And I certainly hope that, you know, if we don't win next year, which obviously we are seeing this city side destroy all all comers it's how can you even consider or even dream about winning right but i want us to at least contend if that's not too greedy but uh i think we have the quality and and we just need to add to it and um not have so much of a hangover as we did last season i think i mentioned it at the start of the episode biggest fault with liverpool was the fact that their headspace was still pretty much in Paris. They couldn't let go after losing uh, to Real Madrid. And I think that cost them a lot at the start of the season. Um, but that being said, I think it, it gave myself and a lot of other Liverpool fans uh, renewed hope heading into next season, even before any signings were made because of this mini run that we went on. So um, Europa League is going to be weird. Haven't been there for a while, but... Uh, different anthem <laughs> Different anthem Different day You know It is what it is um, It's an L But Since we're in it We gotta We're in it to in win it, to it, win right? it. <laughs> Yeah exactly Since go we're in it, it Go for it You know You never know That's I think it's a trophy Klopp hasn't won So If he's up for it Why the hell not right uh, Something I think Cash has uh, Said something again Let me just Take a look Ah, this one's about, this one's United. about Man United. Do you want to give it a read or should I just... Yeah, okay. Um, so, uh, Cash has said um, that he feels like the lethargy is starting to show at, at United and without Rashford, they look very toothless. Uh, a centre forward and a centre midfielder is very important this incoming window uh, and they need to challenge to make up ground next season. Otherwise, the best players will start to pass their prime. Yeah, I think quite... Similar sentiments. I I do know that um, similarly to Liverpool, we're letting a lot of our players go as well, um, and this was always going to be expected. <laughs> <laughs> the legend. <laughs> oh man. Um, and he's got such a long farewell as well. I think there's like three to five posts. Um, yeah. I mean, he was the funny thing was they showed uh I think photos of him uh holding out the. The Premier League, and I just got reminded that actually a lot of this current United squad have not. It's like won the, the jersey is like ten years ago, right? <laughs> yeah, it was the checkerboard one, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the 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 one that uh the picnic mat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So for some reason, I always remember uh Owen in that jersey. Uh, was that the jersey that he scored that that? It was against City. I think it, it, it was. wasn't, but the oh, for it wasn't. Some reason, it wasn't. Yeah, the, the it wasn't. picnic one. I rem- I always think of Owen and Van Persie. I I think of Van Persie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh oh, and and like Shinji Kagawa. I don't know why they always use him as a model Kagawa. for that. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Yeah. So United. I feel. I feel like United's story is always the same. We always seem to need to have to buy someone to complete this team, whether it was. 
uh, Ronaldo or like Cavani. We always needed someone marquee. Oh, like Maguire, right? Team. I'm not exactly. even trolling, but Maguire it's was true. like the was missing su- piece, right? I, and then when it In wasn't him, it was like Varane, yeah. and then it became Martinez. Uh, but <laughs> it it really was like. I I feel like the story will be the same. We're gonna buy someone. We're gonna have a lot of hope, and next year we'll be struggling to cement uh, our Champions League spot. Um, I don't know why. Like I I feel like United just sometimes don't have. I don't know what it is. Like there are some games that we just. I always feel like we should win, but I I know once we start the game that we're not gonna win. You know that kind of feeling. It happens with United a lot. They are just this kind of team that. Uh, don't know how to win when they need to win, and then they sometimes win unexpectedly. Like they they don't seem to be able to get that dirt under their nails in those fifty fifty games, right? Like there are some games where it's like, oh no, I I really don't know if we're up for it today, but yeah, the, it's almost like the top top sides are able to some yeah. find a way, right? Dig deep and find a way. I mean, this which you guys were almost synonymous with, like. When but we this were season, growing up, right? This season has been has been the opposite of if you I mean, you just I, I talk about this a lot. I always thought that United were always up for the big matches and then they would tend to like lose to the to the teams in the bottom half of the table, for example. Yeah, yeah. But this season was completely the opposite. I think we have had a terrible run against the top six sides. Um but we've won most of the games uh most uh, against uh, teams that we were supposedly gonna win. But like against City, against Liverpool, we have no good record this season and I think Ten Hag just I don't think he's overthinking it, but we just don't look prepared. Um and we don't look very dangerous. I think Cash said it right. The team is quite toothless without Rashford who has been the standout performer this season. Um where he went on a, I don't even know how many games, but he was scoring in almost every match he was playing in. Um so this season I think if we don't have another goal threat um, besides him, it's going to be very tricky for us. Uh, but again, this United team have uh, some upcoming players that I think we can be quite excited for. Um, players like Garnacho, hopefully players like Diallo come back as well, Ahmad Diallo. So he had a great season with Sunderland. He did, yeah. he did, yeah. yeah. So there are a couple of players who are coming into the fold, but we haven't seen... Uh, Players like Diallo in, or we haven't seen much of like Palestri as well. So it's going to be, I don't know, I think preseason will be very important, and that's where Ten Hag will be trying to get at least his first uh, starting 11 for next season solidified. And if we can bring in a couple of players, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the story for United is always kind of the same old. Uh, are we there to challenge? I just feel like we haven't created a title challenging team yet. Or, or we're not playing with a style of football that looks very dominating. We dominate against teams that we are supposed to dominate. And then against teams that we're supposed to have a, a good fight, we, we lose 7-0. I mean, it has <laughs> happened <laughs> this season. Under There's still that fragility in the team, right? Like, we saw it against Man City as well, the 6-3. I, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Tenak yeah. has still his moments of bold fraudness. <laughs> it's almost like remnants of... Ole and Ragnick, right? They they need to sort of get rid of that mindset that it's quote unquote okay to lose in that manner. Um, but I think it's a work in progress, like you said, and it's also dependent on getting those 
hopefully final pieces of the puzzle that take you all from being contenders to actual challengers, right? Yeah. It, it's it's all about sort of not taking that step back, but rather the step forward like we've seen United do the past decade. It's always... We, we United, it always seems like one step forward, one step back. With Chelsea, it's three steps forward, three steps back because they'll <laughs> do something crazy like win the Champions League and then like just implode. Their player will go to a different country and do an interview. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's I think the name of the game now it's City is chilling at the VIP lounge, which three other teams want to become permanent guests want to have that permanent guest list, right? It's it's pretty much I think up for grabs right now. Even Spurs who we oftentimes, you know, don't give a lot of credit to and justifiably so this season they've been really poor, but it wouldn't shock me to see them competing again next year if they get their appointment right and if they, you know, make certain player sales and departures. So I, I think if things go according to plan, we are in for a very competitive 23-24 season. Fingers crossed, like, of course. Um, Let's just hope it right, goes down to, to the last day. For that season Yeah exactly Like I think this one Had potential But at the end It's A little bit anticlimactic But um, You know We do what we can uh, we've, We have a relegation battle To look forward to uh, We have some final European spots To settle But uh, Before we wrap Let's of course Dive into Fraud and Boss Watch Right um, Few picks for this week uh, I think for myself uh, I want to... Uh, people are going to be groaning because it's like a Liverpool fan complaining of a VAR, right? Like, how hilarious and hysterical. But <laughs> I just want to understand how Mings doesn't, like, get in trouble because tries to decapitate Gakpo. But uh, it's VAR. I understand it has its flaws. But Gakpo getting, like, studded and then his goal getting ruled out felt really harsh on the kid. Man got uh, Nigel De Jong'd. He really did, man. <laughs> Jesus. Tyrone Mings is a big fella as well. So that was frustrating. Uh, but grand scheme of things, we didn't deserve to win the game. So I guess whatever. Um, Fraud Watch, I would have to... I was talking about them, right? I would have to put Spurs up there because they took the lead against uh, Brentford, which is a has been an issue for Spurs all season, right? They always start so slowly. So when they, they go in front, you think, okay, this will then play into their strengths to finish the game strong. But they just got picked apart by a Brentford side, you know, without um, their talisman. And it's just disappointing. Like the, the way Spurs have just sort of, much like Chelsea, have just petered out, right? Like they've just sort of stopped trying. It's only Kane who seems to get his uh, obligatory goal every game. Mr. Consistent, if you will. So I'm putting Spurs on, on front watch and I think uh, they play Leeds on the final day. Um, I don't think that is an easy one for Leeds, but I, I think Spurs may not be up for it. I think Leeds... Um, Definitely could have been a, a worse fixture for Leeds, let's put it this way. Spurs at Ellen Road, I think, 
is something they'll be relishing against a Spurs side who, bar Harry Kane, seem to be on the beach. Mm, agreed. Lionel? I, I think for me, um, I think for Fraud Watch, I also put Spurs up there, you know, for 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 them bottling in it yet again. I mean, surprise, surprise, right? But I would say for Boss Watch, it hands down has to be Taiwo every... I want to eat for winning us the title <laughs> scoring that winning goal against Arsenal and then for the entire Forest side for holding the fort for like the remaining I think it was like 70 odd minutes amazing amazing performance I think it, I mean it, it didn't just like help them secure safety but it also helped us win the league so I think big up to Bruh, uh, they, they had man. 18% man possession <laughs> yeah man big up to my man Taiwo man what the hell <laughs> <laughs> we talked about an Inter like or a, a Jose uh, masterclass against Leverkusen, right? This was a Forest masterclass against Arsenal. The yeah. some some dark arts there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yourself, Nate. I, I think, I, well, it's I thought uh, Lionel would say, but since he didn't, I'm gonna say that I would say my boss watch has to be. I'm just going to put Man City there. I think the fact that they've... I've mentioned this to you guys before. Yeah, the fact that we've done three seasons of FKB (laughs) and in all seasons, the winner of the the, the Premier League is Man City. Every single time. (laughs) Uh, It's like, should I find another podcast to be on? I'm kidding. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, congrats to them. They are... I mean, this was not a 100-pointer season. Um, but they've managed to do what they've always done. They they just know how to stay cool and just bide their time. I think this season more than last season, they really just kind of really they really come across as like the predator, just waiting for the prey to tire before they pounce. You know, that's kind of the analogy I feel like they are. And then once they go for the jugular, it's it. They they just kill it and and they just keep on. Um, pushing forward so yeah that team and of all teams that have to give them a guard of honor to see Chelsea doing it and and seeing right, how Chelsea's season has gone <laughs> it's it's really it really kind of sums up the season for Chelsea as well so Chelsea are my fraud watch as well I'm just throwing teams in I think Chelsea's season was not what I thought it was gonna be but it yeah that was just the whole the whole thing I I don't even know who to really put there is it was it Todd Bowley, was it um I think it's mostly him maybe but the whole Chelsea team a lot of them kind of like giving I don't know like six upon ten performances I think a lot of them didn't really have a lot of drive and I, we've gone in on them a lot this season so I won't say anymore but I think yeah City being my my boss watch and and Chelsea the fraud team. Actually, I have a quick one. Since you are on the topic of Chelsea, right? Do you guys think that any, um, given his performance, right, any club will actually voluntarily want to get Lampard as their manager? I see, not, not, not not in the Premier League. Not in the Premier League, but I would say maybe the Championship, League One, League Two, or maybe foreign leagues. Do you guys actually see Lampard getting uh, another shot at a managerial position? I feel like Ole has a better chance <laughs> at this point. I'm not gonna lie, I I think so too. Just because of his track record. 
I think yeah, I think it's gonna be real tough for Lampard, man. Um, it, it also depends if he still has the stomach for management. I think he, I think I would imagine he will, but even I don't think he would have expected his second stint at Chelsea to have gone this horribly. I thought we were all expecting a bit of, you know, like a manager bounce, not to win all their games, but at least put up more of a fight, right? I think they've had one one win or two wins in his entire like second run so very disappointing I think I think Lampard would be better suited being someone's number two for a while but I don't think that's what he wants um, maybe I don't know what Derby situation is uh, but he has ties there so maybe he could try again with them but yeah it's gonna be tough man very very tough and and it's a kind of a bummer like we started this season with Gerard and Lampard right both um, managing in the Prem but it just seems now that their time as Premier League managers if not permanently it's gonna be a while before we see them back in the Prem I'll be shocked if either of them was back anytime soon but yeah man Um, last last uh, I forgot about this guy one more boss watch for me also from Man City but Julian Alvarez man this guy yeah. never fails to impress me. Every chance I've seen him, every opportunity he's had to shine, right? He's shone so bright. Same with Argentina. You know, I don't think he was a starter at the start of the World Cup. But once he got his chance, he took it with both hands and made him made himself indispensable to that team. Much like, I wouldn't say anyone is indispensable at Man City, not even KDB, perhaps Haaland, the way the form he's in. But I, th- I think Alvarez is going to become a favourite for Pep. You know how managers always have their favourites? Like how Park Ji-sung was like Fergie's favourite, but not... Uh, no, not, I think the fans loved him. Exactly, like Alvarez is also a fan favourite, but they are like the unsung heroes, you know. They're not the guys who are going to play every single game. But the managers know that when I give them a chance, they're going to deliver because that's what they always do. They always deliver. And I'm so jealous of you, man. I, I know there are so many fantastic players at City uh, and I would take most of them in a heartbeat. But Alvarez, for me, is the one who you I take first. <laughs> really see at, at Liverpool, man. Like I, I would love that guy at Liverpool. And yeah, I'm, I'm super jealous. And I can't wait to see how he evolves next season. Because I think he'll have a much bigger role next year. I just don't know how it's going to evolve. The City side is going to evolve again, right? We've seen it every year. Yeah, I I believe Pep, I think it was after the Fulham game where Alvarez scored that banger yeah. um, from outside the box. I, I think Pep said, like that led to Pep realising, and I think he did say in his post-match conference, right, that he said that he didn't know the potential Alvarez uh, had and the kind of value he brought to the team. And then I think for next season, right, Pep would definitely try to integrate Haaland, De Bruyne and Alvarez into the team. So I'm not I'm not very sure how that team dynamic will work. But I think, I mean, as you pointed out, it will be a pretty interesting watch uh, for, for all of us next season. Uh. I don't know if interesting is the right word. <laughs> <laughs> if you mean like getting dominated again. Yeah, but yeah. I do worry a little bit for... Phil Foden, I think he's starting to become a little bit of like the forgotten child. Like he was Pep's previous favorite, 
but with like we've just mentioned with people like Alvarez and stuff coming into the fold, I don't know where that leaves him. I feel like he really doesn't get a lot of game time for someone of his level who wants to grow and start to assert himself as a. I mean, he's just kind of reaching the age where he should be kind of playing every game. Every right, yeah. He really should. He he should become a bit like Jack Grealish at Villa, you know that kind of player, um, a bit talismanic, talismatic, but. He's just not given the opportunity, so I do worry a bit for him. Yeah, but it's so weird because, like Foden, Mares, and Grealish, right? It seems like they've all had blocks this season where they've been the guy. It's been like maybe a five to eight game period where they've started every game or as they've played as many minutes as possible and they've actually played really well. Grealish. Seems like the one who has been the, the most nailed season. on, but yeah. I don't know, man. Pep, Pep always seems to be able to keep them satisfied and and know when is the right time to move them on. Like he knew when Sane was when the right time was to move Sane on. He knew when to move Sterling on. He knew when to move Jesus on. So I think with Foden, I do agree with you that. You know, it's a bit disappointing to see how he had evolved so much last season, and he's been reduced to a bit more of a bit part role this year. But I think that's the beauty of the madness to Pep, right? He's able to almost convince the players like this isn't a punishment. This is just me doing what's best for the team. And if they don't get it, that means they 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 are in it. They are in business for themselves. Yeah, and it's I like think in a team full of superstars, there's exactly, no standout star. Exactly, uh, which is why, like I said, the only guy who was probably like nailed on at the moment was Haaland, right? And Edison by because of position. But I think Foden would have cause for concern if he was seeing a similar reduction in his minutes next season. But I mean, dude, the guy just won his fifth Premier, fifth Premier League at 22, might win the Champions League at 22, so... I and he's a he's, he's like, a homeboy, isn't he? I think he's all right. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, exactly. He's like homegrown as well, so there's the extra, extra commodity, right? Like you won't want to lose your homegrown players who are of that caliber, which is why the ma- the whole Mason Mount at Chelsea thing seems so polarizing, right? Because a lot of Chelsea fans are like, he's one of us. We gotta do whatever we can to build this team around him, and a lot of them are like, he's not good enough, or he's not worth what he wants to be paid. So I think we'll find out more about Foden, but it's a it's a good point you brought up. But I think Pep has just a way to know when the shelf life of his players are up, which I think Klopp could actually take a page out of, which <laughs> he has shown that he Finally. he's starting to understand that this season. Uh, I think that's it for me. For for right now, unless you guys have anything you want to wrap up on, if not, I think we can call this app. Yeah, I I think uh just one more quick one. Mm-hmm. I personally feel that uh he's not been mentioned much because of how brilliant City has been. But I would say that he I think it, when we move on to like uh the next episode or the episode after, we definitely be discussing about signings of the season. But I feel like for like I think it was fifteen to eighteen million uh pounds. Manuel Akanji has been a really, really yeah. good signing for us. Yeah. So I think we'll get to that in uh, maybe a, a couple of episodes down the road, but I think he really deserves a, a shot, man. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you, and I think, I think him and Ake have outshone the the big boys in like Diaz and Laporte, right? Which is funny, like I, I know, uh, I'll be brief on this, but we were seeing all the title-winning city sides of the last, what, uh, five and six, right? And each team in those five winning sides all had certain differences to them. The defense was never the same. It was like Diaz and Laporte one season. Then it was Diaz and Stones. Then it was Otamendi and Stones or whatever, right? It's always changing. And I think we, we've always talked about having a settled team and settled backline especially, right? Like, look at Rio and, and Vidic who won so many titles. But somehow this rotation and this keeping players on their toes just seems to work for City. Like, their front three as well changed so much. Like, one season, it was Sane, Aguero, and Sterling. Then it was Bernardo, Jesus, and Aguero. It's it's just... The way he's able to give guys their moments and they they take them, it's 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 quite scary, to be honest. It's, it's true. Just the, it's like the, the amount of... Um, like possibilities in that in that in that in that setup he has a system and yet all the players can both fit the system and also use their own individual brilliance and skill you know what i mean it's like yeah i don't know how it does it but yeah the system is 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 almost flawless almost <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully we find a flaw in the FA cup final <laughs> yeah not not quite the best ever English side yet but uh, that mantle might be up for debate in a couple of weeks um, but thanks to, to Nate and Lionel once again and to Cash as well who uh, very cool of him to drop by and just listen in and you know chime in as well on, on the group chat but uh, if you guys made it to the end of the app thanks so much for sticking with us uh, of course we have one more week of the season to go and then we have uh, of course the European finals and then We'll do our wrap-up for the season, as we always do. But until then, yeah, have a great week, and we'll see you in the next episode. Take care, everyone.